The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security. Now until September 3rd, get $100 off Simply Safe's special summer package. That's $100 off at simplysafe.com/costa. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to extend a special welcome to new listeners joining us on affiliate radio stations in all 50 states, coast to coast, and also members of our military who are tuning in over the Internet. And for those of you listening in areas hard hit by Harvey, Please know the entire country stands with you. Volunteers from every corner of the nation are arriving daily to help with the recovery effort. In just a moment, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff, Presidential Advisor and Political Strategist Carl Rove will be joining the program to talk about the challenges the president faces getting his agenda implemented and what needs to happen in the upcoming months to break the current impasse. But before Mr. Rove joins us, As is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Carl Christian Rove was born in Denver, Colorado, and grew up in Sparks, Nevada, and Salt Lake City. His first brush with politics came in high school when he became the Olympus High School chairman for the re-election of United States Senator Wallace F. Bennett. After Rove was admitted to the University of Utah on a scholarship, he obtained an internship with the Utah Republican Party. Rove subsequently dropped out of the university to work as the executive director of the College Republican National Committee. And then in 1973, George Bush chose Rove to become the chairman of the College Republicans. From here, Rove went on to serve several key posts with the Republican Party until 1981 when Carl Rove and Company was formed, a political consulting firm which, according to the Atlantic Monthly, was responsible for advising 41 political races that resulted in 34 wins, and that is quite a record, folks. By 2001, Rove was being called the architect behind President Bush's victory, and not only, uh, not surprisingly, he was appointed deputy chief of staff, advising the president on key policy issues. Since stepping down in 2007, Rove has become an analyst for Fox News, columnist for the Wall Street Journal, and he has authored several best-selling books. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report former White House Deputy Chief of Staff and acclaimed political strategist, Mr. Carl Rove. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Rove. Thanks for having me. Now, there's been a great deal of discord and turnover during these first eight months of the new administration. And now all eyes seem to be on Secretary of State Tillerson, who has been making statements aimed at separating his beliefs from the president's. And recently the president said, well, Rex just doesn't get it. Is Tillerson on the way out? And and more importantly, what needs to happen to stabilize key cabinet positions and advisors on a go-forward basis? Yeah, I, I don't think he's on his way out. I mean, I, f- I find it, uh, this goes back to a comment he made on uh, Fox News Sunday, the other Sunday, where he was asking Essence uh, to, you know, to, ex- to, to ex- accept and defend the president's comments on Charlottesville, and he artfully dodged the issue. But uh, I, I don't blame him for not, you know, you'll notice there have not been a lot of cabinet members who step forward and said, I agree, there's, uh, you know, there's a, uh, some kind of moral equivalency between the protesters and the counter-protesters. Um, so, no, I, I think this is a kerfluffle about not much anything. And uh, I do think the, the the administration needs to be stabilized. I think the appointment of General Kelly as chief of staff has begun to do that. But there needs to be more focus and discipline uh, in this White House and in this administration if it's going to be successful. So what advice would you give the president in terms of stabilizing? Well, uh, you know, he's not going to listen to my advice. He's going to continue on his own course. But I think 
you well, know, he look, should listen we, to we, your we, advice because, as I said, you you've got a, a track record bar none. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it so, is it, you know you are the dream strategist if you just look at statistics and how many people yeah. you have been responsible for getting elected and keeping in office. Well, look. Uh, when you're president, you want to control the narrative. You want to. The, events are going to intrude. There, there's going to be a crisis here. There's going to be a natural disaster there. But you want to, as much as possible, drive the agenda, uh, drive the narrative towards towards your agenda. And this president gets in gets in front of himself. I mean, really, did we really need to have a tweet about? Uh, you know, Mary Treep's acting abilities. You know, did we really need? He had an excellent statement opening statement when he talked about Charlottesville. He said it, he he disavowed extremism and bigotry in any form. But then he just went off script and said, uh, you know, this has been happening on both sides. It has been going on for a long time. Not Donald Trump, not Barack Obama. It's been going on for a long time. Now, look, we had two groups in Charlottesville. We had the protesters who were, by and large, virtually all of whom were white supremacists, members of the KKK and neo-Nazis. I mean, we saw pictures of them carrying tiki uh, torches down the streets of Charlottesville saying, Jews will not replace us. People with Adolf Hitler quotes on their T-shirts. On the other side, we had the counter-protesters, which were, by and large, University of Virginia students, local townspeople. Now, were there some bad actors in there from Antifa? You bet there were. But the idea that one group, which is almost exclusively white supremacists and neo-Nazis and, and uh, hate-filled individuals, and another group, which is by and large local townspeople living in a liberal city in a, in a moderate state, uh, you know, are somehow morally equivalent was wrong. And the president got off track by doing that. When he, when he gave his remarks two days later, I thought they were superb. But the damage had been done when he stood up there and just sort of called an audible and decided to equate the, the, the neo-Nazis with, with the counter-protesters. So I, the first and foremost thing is don't do yourself some damage by, by bringing up unnecessary controversies, many of which emerged from midnight tweets. Well, and, do you think uh, uh, Kelly, you know, you admire Kelly and you think Kelly's going to bring structure and discipline uh, to the White House? Uh, can he get a hold of these tweets? I mean, is he going to be able to well, keep uh, Trump from going off script and, and driving into a ditch? I think sometimes the president wants to go off script just to show he's in charge. Uh, so I'm not I'm not one who thinks that he's that that uh, uh, that President Trump is going to be contained by uh, the chief of staff unless and until the president wants to contain himself. He needs to understand he does his own cause damage. When he gets involved in these side arguments, when he tweets something ugly about the press, when he – I mean, look, it's one thing to, take, to, to have an argument with the press over substance, but the name-calling that takes place here does not raise and elevate him, and it gives the press something else to chew on besides his agenda. I mean, go out to Missouri and talk about the tax cut. And, and and don't create unnecessary controversies when you do so. And if you do that consistently, three or four or five days in a row, then you'll begin to drive the message and you'll begin to drive dominate the narrative. But but it requires discipline in order to do that. Right. And, and so many of the tweets feel like they're, uh, I don't know, inflammatory in some in some respect. You know, they're not well, informative. Think- they're inflammatory. There's a there's a big right. difference. There is a big difference, and look, he does have a very big megaphone. He, he is the he is the editor in chief of the world's largest newspaper. The articles, of course, have to be 140 characters or less, but he can get his message directly to tens of millions of people, directly and indirectly to everybody. But he's got to have a strategy behind that. He's got to use that tool to advance his cause, not to engage in you know sort of an impulse of the moment. I mean, t- take for example. You know, these things have consequences. And and taking an, you know attacking somebody in Congress, attacking John McCain, for example, look or I'm Mitch McConnell, or Mitch McConnell, the guy that you're counting on to carry your agenda. So uh, yeah, a lot of this is is self-inflicted. And, and but at the end of the day, they could they got control of him in the final stage of the campaign. Remember in, the, in October, he I would do. he would joke about it. 
he'd, he'd say, they've told me to stay on script. They say, Donald, <laughs> don't, don't go off script. And he was mocking him. But on the other hand, he stayed on script. And he did so at a vital moment where people were trying to make up their minds as to whether or not they should support him. And enough of them decided, you know what, he, he represents change, maybe dangerous change, but he's, but I want change, and, and, and I think we can live through it. And, you know, and well, we got to find out who was who was in his ear then when, when he was uh, joking about staying on script. we got to find out who he was listening to at that point. We have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Carl Rove. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, whose Brut Cuvée is winning wine awards faster than we can name them. What is it about Caraccioli's Brut Cuvée that sets it apart from others? I really think it comes down to both process and the fruit. Uh, we're in a ideal location to grow Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and being able to harvest that at optimal pick points in Monterey County, where you have a climate and soils that produce these grapes in the best way possible. Pulling them earlier on, you still get a lot of fruit expression, but you get a lot of acidity, which gives you the opportunity to make killer sparkling wine. And our Brut, being our flagship wine, has everything that's possible when it comes to sparkling wine. You can order any of our products directly from us by visiting our website at caracciolicellars.com or calling the tasting room directly, 831-622-7722. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day... I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I am done with my mattress. That's right. I'm not spending another night on this old bag. My new mattress comes today, and this thing is out of here. Bye-bye, mattress. Yep, bye-bye, mattress. So says you and about a thousand other people every day. And that's a lot of old mattresses with no place to go. There's the landfill, of course, where they just take up space. But what a waste. Because you could send it to a mattress recycler where old mattresses get broken down into steel, foam, wood, and fiber that become new steel, carpet padding, home insulation, garden mulch, biomass fuel, locomotive oil filters, and all kinds of other great stuff. So Bye Bye Mattress is right. But don't toss it. Recycle it. It's easy. And it's free. To find a mattress recycler in your area, visit ByeByeMattress.com.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former White House Deputy Chief of Staff and political strategist Carl Rove. And before the break, you were making the point that when the president stays on script and message, he can be very effective, but it's when he uh, makes these off-the-cuff inflammatory statements that the media and others pounce on. Uh, and, and this is not serving his agenda at all. Uh, now, along those lines... One of the recommendations which runs throughout your columns and your writing is that the president and his cabinet need to spend more time selling the substance and the value of his programs. Uh, You asked, where are the speeches explaining the plan to replace Obamacare and why it would be better? Where are the Oval Office addresses on why tax reform would produce better jobs and bigger paychecks? Where are the choruses echoing the president's arguments for an infrastructure bill? So I think what you're saying is that the president and his administration need to provide more details and sell the specific reasons that these changes are needed. Do, do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. And and part of this is that he's not he's not displaying fluency with with the legislation. I get that. I mean, he's he's not been spending time in Washington over the years and he's not really conversant in policy and I get that. But you have to be able to make the case to the American people that these changes will be good for them. And that the biggest megaphone around is the president's. And so if the president's not deploying it, then the biggest voice on behalf of his policies is relatively mute. And I think part of this has got to be him, but also I chalk part of it up to the structure of the White House. They have not had a communications director almost since the beginning. They had Mike Dubke briefly. They've got Hopex uh, now as the interim director. I saw up close how important this job was, and you very rarely saw Karen Hughes or Dan Bartlett, for example, in the Bush years, and that was because as a communications director, they were so busy uh, doing what a communications director had to do, which is to marshal all the forces of the administration, organize them, deploy them, uh, inform them so they can in turn inform voters and Americans of what the policies are about, and develop, and it's it's a complex job. And it requires a lot of moving force uh, forces. It requires a lot of diplomatic skills on behalf of the communications director to get everybody corralled. It's sort of like herding cats. But it's absolutely critical to be able to get the president's message across, to have a deliberate plan to share the substance of what he's attempting to achieve. And by doing so, you not only convince the American people of the correctness of it, you also give heart to the people in Congress that you have to have vote for it in order to get it passed into law. Well, I agree with you, and I I actually think one of the reasons that we've got fake news is that uh, I don't think the administration is acknowledging that these news channels have to have content 24-7. And when you don't have a cohesive communication strategy, if you're not giving any specifics, if you're not giving substance to the media, then they wind up interviewing each other and speculating. And, you know, and then he complains that there's fake news. Well, you know, in the absence of any real news and a communication strategy, you're going to get fake news. That's right. That's right. You're going to. And look, there's a certain amount. We've got in our society a large number of channels of communication, cable TV, network TV, print journalism, radio, uh, the Internet. And you need to have you need to be providing content for all of those or they're going to provide the content themselves. And if their instinct is to be critical of you, as a lot of them, those channels are dominated by people whose natural instinct would be to be critical of, a, of, a, of, a, of, of any president from the center right, and particularly this one, then you're going to be giving them a chance to, to dominate the dialogue. And that's why it's so important that there be a deliberative plan to say, okay, here's what we want to be talking about, here's what we want to be saying, and here's what we want to do in terms of getting other voices in the marketplace, either people from within the administration, people within the affected part of the country, people who are, tie- who are tied to this by their personal circumstances. And we want to make this a de- deliberate effort to drive home a message of what it is we're trying to do and why. Now, political... Uh, Politico, uh, they they recently suggested that the White House is starting to adopt a page from Karl Rove's 2004 playbook. Did you read that article? I did, and it's laughable. <laughs> this, this is this is an article that suggests uh, this. This goes back to 2004 when there were a lot of uh, uh, of traditional marriage initiatives on the ballot around the country, and these were, of course, provoked by a 4-3 to three decision by the Massachusetts Superior General Court 
uh, affirming gay marriage in the state of Massachusetts. And this happened in 2003. And what happened in response to that was a lot of citizen groups and social conservatives got together and in a number of states got measures onto the ballot affirming traditional marriage. Now, things have changed since 2004. I would remind you of all the candidates, Democrat and Republican, only one of them came out in favor of gay marriage. That was Howard Dean, governor of Vermont, who came out in favor of civil unions. But everybody else who was running, John Kerry and Joe Lieberman, they all came out in favor of traditional marriage. So there were these ballot initiatives, and there, there's sort of this theory that has grown up since the 2004 election that, A, this was my idea, and that, B, I, I arranged to have these put on the ballot, and that, C, the idea was to drive up the turnout in these critical battleground states. The problem is, A, it wasn't me, and B, I didn't do it, and C, most important of all, if you compare the turnout in states with traditional marriage initiatives on the ballot and those with not, there's essentially no difference in turnout. That is to say, between 2000 and 2004, basically the size of the electorate grows by about 25%, and that's, that is, that's the way that, that happens in states with ballot initiatives of affirming traditional marriage on the ballot and those that don't. Uh, apparently, you didn't know you had these secret superpowers to set the agenda I, I in every state. A, I, yeah, <laughs> I found a long time ago that I'm a myth more than a person. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I had to ask you about that. But one thing I will say, you know, that I thought the, broad, the article brought forward is that you are an offensive kind of strategist. You know, you, you want you want to drive toward issues. And, and I think that right. from that standpoint – the Trump administration maybe should talk to you because they seem to be driving a defensive communication strategy rather than an offensive one where you get out there and you start selling that tax reform program or you start selling the health care reform program. That's an offensive exactly. strategy. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, to, in 1994, we had a very popular Democrat governor in the state of Texas. Everybody loved Ann Richards. On Election Day, her personal favorability was 62%. Wow. And yet she had a weakness, and her weakness was she had not done anything as governor. She had occupied the office, but the, the state faced gigantic challenges, and she hadn't led. So George W. Bush got into the race in 1993, pledging that if elected, he would, he would push for education reforms, and he spelled it out what he wanted to do, that he would push for welfare reform, that he would push for juvenile justice reform, and that he would push for legal reform to stop junk and frivolous lawsuits. And he talked endlessly during that campaign in an organized, deliberate fashion, these four big things that he would do. And by election day, it was clear in people's mind, if we elect Bush, this is the kind of change that he represents. And for Richards, I looked at her and said, you know, she's fun to be around, we, she's highly entertaining, but you know what? She has not talked about these big issues that face our state's future. And so we're inclined to give the young man a chance. And he beat her. Similarly, right. but, in 2000, that's we would what not have won yeah. without an agenda and, as well. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about yeah. when I say an offensive strategy based on substance. And that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing defensive strategies, uh, and we're not seeing enough specifics. We have to take another short intermission, but stay with us. We'll be right back. Our guest today, Carl Rove. You're listening to the Costa Report. Summer is burglary season. According to the Department of Justice, every summer, burglary rates spike. You go on vacation or spend the day away at the beach. Your home is empty. Burglars watch for signs you're not home. No cars in the driveway, no lights on, and boom, it's an open invitation for a break-in. This is the reason Simply Safe Home Security has extended their biggest ever summer sale to September 3rd. A whopping $100 off Simply Safe summer package. I use a system myself, folks. It has everything you need to keep your home safe from intruders. And Simply Safe's round-the-clock monitoring is just $14.99 a month with no long-term contracts. Absolutely nothing to lock you in. This is protection done right. So don't miss out. This offer ends September 3rd and systems are flying off the shelves. Go to simplysafe.com slash Costa to save $100 today. That's simplysafe.com slash Costa to get $100 off your system. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, 
My days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2 min 2 xorg to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Yeah, you, it's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Carl Rove. Now, the big fear is this impasse between the president and Congress will cost the GOP the majority in the House and Senate. But here's my question. If the president can't get Republican support, what difference does it make if there's a Republican majority? I mean, getting 99 percent of the votes you need to get legislation passed is the same as getting zero. Well, uh, that's right. But I would say this. We came within one vote of getting it done in in the Senate. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be heaping abuse on the leadership of the Senate. I'd be instead saying I'm confident that we can bring it back up and we can get it done because you want to strengthen your allies, not weaken them. And at the end of the day, it is in the president's self-interest to have a Republican House and a Republican Senate. Do you think if we lose the House to the Democrats that they're not going to move to impeach him? Do you think if we lose the control of the of the Senate to the Democrats that the Democrats won't exercise oversight? I mean, talk about an unpleasant time for Donald Trump. It would be with Chuck Schumer in command of the Senate and or Nancy Pelosi in command of the House because the Democrats would be doing nothing except not just obstructing as they are now, but, but moving aggressively against him and his administration. So I say, look, I understand. I'm not happy with, you know, I, I, don't ask me to explain John McCain's vote. Here, here was a guy who said, I'm going to vote to proceed, but I'm not going to vote for the so-called skinny bill unless the Speaker of the House confirms to me that this bill is going to go to a conference committee and we're going to work it over hard and, and, and the House isn't just going to take up this bill and pass it. I want, I want to know that we're going to go to a conference committee and work the bill over and come back with something that's even better. The Speaker goes out and says, 
you got my commitment. We're not going to take this bill up. We'll go to conference committee and we'll come up with something even better. And then McCain goes to the floor and votes against him. So he got what he wanted, but it wasn't good enough. So my point is, though, the president doesn't strengthen himself by then saying, shame on you, Senate, shame on you, Mitch McConnell. I mean, Mitch McConnell came within one vote of delivering something that where we got a very slim margin, 52 to 48 in the Senate. So we, we, you know, he only can lose two people, and he has to occupy the vice president by having him sit in the in the chair to vote. So I'd 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 be focused on what do we need to do to get this done. I wouldn't be focused on trying to to uh, seek my revenge upon the House and Senate leadership. Well, what do you say to what What do you say to folks who who are urging the president to reach out to Democrats? I mean, you've pointed out uh, that the president was a registered Democrat and independent for most of his life, and some of his largest political contributions went to Nancy Pelosi in two thousand six. And Trump, as you you know, was previously a big supporter of John Kerry and other Democratic leaders. Is it time for him to call in some of those favors? Well, except that they don't have, they don't think they owe him anything. So, but but can he count on getting Democrats to vote for some of the things that he's in favor of? Potentially, particularly on infrastructure, they've made the right noises that they'd be supportive of some of what he might uh, advocate. But again, what is he advocating? He hasn't laid out his plan. And as See, result, I think if he takes a play for uh, a page out of your playbook and he starts selling substance and specifics. Yep. He will get some Democratic support. There's nothing for the Democrats to support right now. Yeah, I think that's right. But but he's got to be realistic that when it comes to tax cuts and when it comes to replacing Obamacare, that this is going to have to be done with Republican votes only and that, that there are going to be issues like uh, infrastructure where he can get Democrat votes. But the way to do it is is to keep the focus on the substance and uh, and and be explicit about what he wants, and try and find common ground in in what he's offering with Democrats who might actually want to work with him. Are there some de- still some moderate Democrats that Trump could reach out to? In your well, opinion? there are some. There are some. There are some Democrats who would who would work with him. Some of them are moderate. Some of them are not so moderate. But look, I think I think more important than this is we've had ten years in which Washington has been highly polarized. Uh, and, it, you know, I thought, you know, the last two years of Bush, the Democrats were eager. They were going to elect the next president, so they were highly partisan. In came President Obama. I, I frankly believe that he was uh, – I'd, I'd gotten to know him. I'd spent three years sort of around him in mm-hmm. the White House, and I thought – I believed him when he said, I don't want to be the president of red states or blue states, but the United States. But then he got in, and it was all, you know, I won and my way or the highway. And people in the Congress, just like the American people... And now we have that it. again. We have my way or yeah. the highway again. That's right. And there are a lot of people that are sitting there in Congress who are saying to themselves, I didn't come here just to be a partisan hack and vote one way or the other and vote no. If it's got an R behind it, I'm voting no. If it's got a D behind it, I'm voting yes. There are a lot of people on both sides of the aisle who say, we want to get things done. And President Trump has a chance to... to it's not going to be easy. It's going to require a lot of work. But on some particular issues, he's going to be able to tap into that sentiment and get things done. But it requires him to have clarity of idea. What is it he's trying to achieve? And then it's got to re- it's, it has to require him to work at this thing diligently. Uh, and, and it doesn't help when you're out there. Look, he's out there insulting Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, mocking him in tweets. Okay, probably feels good. And, <laughs> but, you know, you know, it doesn't help advance the cause. And uh, the president more than anybody else, the president more than anybody else has to be the adult in the room. I got that. I got that. Somebody's got to be the adult. Might be Kelly. <laughs> if if it can't be Trump, let it be Kelly. Unfortunately, we're just about out of time. So uh, let me take this opportunity to thank you for your service to our country and also for making time to speak with us today. Thank you, Mr. Rove. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it very much, Rebecca. Now, before we pause for our regular station break, I hope you'll let me brag a little bit about my son, Matthew. 
the other day he stopped by my place on his way to work and I noticed there was something a little different about him. These are the things that a mother immediately notices no matter what age your children are. Matthew looked so refreshed and groomed and healthy and when I asked him what he was up to, he said, hey mom, I started using the Harry's razors you ordered for me. And even though you told me 100 years of blade making experience make a big difference, I really didn't believe you. But now I use them every day. Now, the reason I want to share this story with you is because there really are some things you just can't tell a person about, like the smooth glide and the ultra-close shave that you get with a Harry's five-blade razor. These are things you have got to experience firsthand. But once you do, you will join my son and over 3 million people who have switched to a Harry's razor. In fact, Harry's is so confident that you're going to love the feel and look of your new shave They're offering listeners of the Costa Report a free trial. Just go to harrys.com slash Costa, C-O-S-T-A, to get your ergonomically designed razor handle, five precision blades, shaving gel, and a blade cover. All you pay for is shipping, so do it now. Try it out. That's harrys.com slash Costa to get your free trial razor, blades, gel, and blade cover. Remember to put in that slash Costa, C-O-S-T-A, to get the complete razor kit at absolutely no cost. And, you know, while you're at it, tell them that Matthew sent you. (laughs) My son's probably listening today. And, you know, you know how easy it is for a mom to embarrass their kids. You know, he's probably got a a big red face wherever he's standing listening to me today going, Ah, Mom, (laughs) this offer will not last long. So jump on your phone or your computer or your tablet and go to harrys.com slash Costa to get your trial razor. And if you have a son or a husband who shaves every day, well, do what I did and go to harrys.com slash Costa and surprise him. He'll be glad that you did. Now, we have to take another break, but uh, we'll be back after these important messages from our sponsors. And I'll tell you a little bit about what I think has to happen in the next, uh, what, three and less than three and a half years in the Trump administration to to settle down a little bit. You know, I mean, we've got uh, we've got a lot of issues that the country has got to be dealing with. And uh, we got to get on them quickly because every day that goes by, the, the, the danger and the threat from those issues exponentiates. And we don't want to have that happen. You know, it's like a rolling snowball. Sooner or later, it gets so large that, you know, y- you need a building to stop it. And we don't want to let that happen. So we need our president and our Congress to start working together. And I'll talk to you about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you're a fan of big ideas and thinking, then you're going to want to sink your teeth into On the Verge. Jim Lair, John Scully, Alan Dershowitz, and dozens of business and government leaders from the full political spectrum have given On the Verge their highest reviews. And you can help drive the book to the top of the bestseller list by ordering On the Verge from Amazon right now. Our goal is to distribute 25,000 copies before the official release date. By placing your order for On the Verge right now, you'll help us beat that number. We need every listener to go to Amazon.com and order On the Verge as quickly as you can. And while you're at Amazon, order first edition gift copies of On the Verge for friends and family because they won't last long. On the Verge, on sale now at Amazon.com. That's On the Verge at Amazon.com. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the 
the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. 800-962-6969. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hey, America, you need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, we have been speaking to political strategist and former Deputy Chief of Staff for President George W. Bush, Mr. Carl Rove. Now, as many of you know, President Bush publicly referred to Rove as the chief architect of his successful bid for the governorship of Texas, for the presidency of the United States, and also for his successful reelection. And that attribution is rightly earned. According to our research, the campaigns Rove has played a personal hands-on role in, uh, of all of them, about 80% have led to a successful statewide, congressional, or national uh, appointment. And uh, believe me, that is some track record. So no matter which side of the political aisle that you may be on, and you know I'm an independent, you have got to respect that kind of achievement. No one knows what Rove's secret formula for success is, except to say that he is a big believer in using real issues and substance to galvanize and mobilize voters. In other words, Rove is a master at zeroing in on one or two or three emotionally charged issues, which voters actually will turn out for. And he believes in the process of selling the importance of that issue uh, or those issues to the American public. Now, something that he worries the current Trump administration and the GOP is just isn't doing enough of. One of the examples Rove uses is the current trillion dollar infrastructure bill the White House has put forth. The White House website devotes only about 314 words to describe the provisions of that trillion dollar initiative. Now that is just about the number of words in a long food label. Nowhere near enough to help people understand the value of the program and why it's important. I mean, how do you build a case or any kind of support in 314 words? Come on. What puzzles me is why there isn't more information, more substance being released about the upside benefits of this program, which includes creating new jobs, retraining programs for people who need retraining, safer bridges, aqueducts, roads, and so on. There are so many benefits to an infrastructure program aimed at investing and rebuilding America. Yet no one, 
not the president or his cabinet, are explaining what the program actually is and why it would be beneficial to Americans everywhere. Instead, what we see is a highly defensive administration. And anyone who's been successful in business will tell you there is no place for defensiveness in sales. But here's where the president and GOP could and should shine. You, you can't get to the top of business without first being a good salesperson. The fact is Trump won the election precisely because he knows how to sell himself to the American people. And along those lines, he must now apply those same skills to selling the programs, not himself, the programs that he wants to put through. And not only selling them to conservatives, but to all Americans. And from this perspective, Rove is right. What the left and the right need right now is more substance. Let's talk about why the replacement health care bill would be better than Obamacare. Does anyone really know? Let's talk about exactly how the tax reform measures would produce more jobs. The expansion of businesses lead to bigger paychecks for workers. Does anyone really know? Let's talk about the benefits of rebuilding infrastructure, the benefits to to small towns and neighborhoods all across the country. Does anyone really know? One of the reasons the media is filled with so much conjecture and speculating and fake news is because it has to fill the airwaves 24 hours a day with content. And when you don't feed that beast, well, that beast starts eating the carpet and the walls to stay alive. Take the White House briefings as an example. These have now descended into mean-spirited altercations between the press secretary and the media where every reporter just wants 60 seconds of fame on television to fire off some inflammatory gotcha question. I used to attend or watch every press briefing, but these days, I, I got to admit, I don't miss much if I skip a briefing or two. Most of the time, the information covered is so superficial, so nonspecific, it's, it's just a waste of time. And if it's a waste of time for me, a person who hosts a weekly news program, well, what do you what do you think it is to those who keep the news coming 24 hours a day, seven days a week? What are they left with? Well, you know what they're doing. They're interviewing each other and they're speculating on what's really going on instead of reporting real substance. But there is one way to get rid of fake news. There is one way to get Congress moving again. There is one way to re-energize those frustrated with what they see as a total lack of progress in Washington, and that is to return to substance and specifics. Once the White House briefing turns serious again and becomes a place where critical information and details are not only divulged but also explained, the fake news won't be necessary anymore. It'll die a natural death. Once the administration begins explaining and selling the real value of its initiatives, Congress will have solid ground on which to base their support, including Democrats who may be swayed if and when a compelling case can be made. They say the best defense is an offense. And to this end, the administration can turn the first eight months around by moving towards selling substance, specifics and value, not only to Congress, but to the media and the American people. And that is how I see it. Now, before we go to break, you know how much I love giving away free products and services on this show. So if you're struggling to fill a position in your company, you're going to want to listen up because the longer a job goes unfulfilled, the more good employees are taxed. They're the ones that have to take up the slack when a job goes unfilled. So you want to hire help fast, but not just any warm body. You want somebody who can hit the decks running, and that is where Zip Recruiter can help you. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then powerful technology matches the right person to your job. And you can imagine how much time you're going to save by posting a job just one time and then having it appear on 100 sites. Never mind how much you increase the odds of locating that perfect person for your opening. And this is why thousands of businesses, small and large, have turned to ZipRecruiter. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It goes out and finds them. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter find a qualified candidate through the site in just one day. So ZipRecruiter is not only thorough, it is fast. 
No more juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. And right now, listeners of the Costa Report can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. It won't cost you one cent. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. R-E-B-E-C-C-A. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. One more time to try it for free to fill that job potentially in one day. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. And if you've got a boss that's taking their time getting a job filled (laughs) that you know needs to be filled, well, tell them the fastest way to find the best person for that opening also happens to be free. It won't cost them anything. All they have to do is go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Rebecca. Have them post that job and see if you can't find that perfect candidate by tomorrow. And that is just about all the time that we have this hour. I have to tell you, I certainly enjoyed having Carl Rove on the program today. Uh, I appreciate his perspective You know, having worked as the White House Chief of Staff, you know, there's no substitute for having been in the action yourself. And I think he has a lot of wisdom to offer the White House at this particular time. If your station is leaving us after this first hour, my guest next week is renowned economist and president of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation, Robert D. Atkinson. And you know him because he is the one who came up with the term Trumponomics. Yeah, you've heard that? Have you heard that, Trumponomics? That's a, that's a, uh, a term that's got started getting floated around at the end of last year and has continued to uh, build steam as Donald Trump has laid out his economic policies for the United States. Well, Atkinson is the, is the economist who came up with that idea, and he has begun to outline where the successes and the trials and tribulations of Trumponomics lie. So don't miss acclaimed economist Robert Adkinson will be with us next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.